Welcome to Next Level Christianity, a podcast designed to teach Christians biblical truth, help apply it to their daily lives, and gain true clarity of what it means to follow Jesus. Our churches and Christian communities are being influenced by cultural and worldly views, and few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is John Alkire, along with my beautiful wife, Carrie Ann. Please join us as we have important conversations where biblical truth and life application collide. We hope these episodes help equip and motivate you to take your Christian faith to the next level. So grab your Bible and join us in the conversation. Welcome back to another episode on Next Level Christianity, where biblical truth and life application collide. I'm your host, John Alkire, alongside me tonight is my beautiful co-host and wife, Carrie Ann. Hey guys, how are you? We are so glad to have you as a part of this. Uh, We've worked on this for a lot of hours, this episode, uh, so we're excited to deliver it to you. We hope everyone had a great Christmas uh, and New Year's and got rested up and recharged. And we want to thank all the supporters as we've done a year. Uh, Yeah, subscribers as we hit our one-year anniversary, January 5th um, of the podcast. And it's just been amazing how God has blessed this platform, enabling Carrie, you and I, um, to use our gifts of teaching and sharing the Bible with everybody out there that's uh, hearing it. So we're, we're super blessed. On January 5th, I recorded episode one, which is the most listened to episode to date, and it's called Cost of Christianity, and it's a powerful teaching about what the Bible tells us about following Jesus. If you have not listened to it, Please check it out, episode one. Yeah, you got to go listen to it. It's one of my favorites. Oh, thanks. It is so good. Um, it was fun to do. Uh, and lastly, uh, please, if you are listening right now on iTunes, go down and rate the podcast. Hit pause, like right now, <laughs> and go down and rate the podcast, or at least listen to it. If you haven't listened to us before, listen first. But please, we encourage you to do that. Please comment. We don't have a lot of stars. We have a lot of downloads and not a lot of stars. So please help us out with that and comments if you have any. We would love to read those. Our last episode, we felt like it was appropriate to talk about the real meaning of Christmas as it was around Christmas. Actually, it was just a few days released before Christmas where Carrie couldn't join us, but I got to share a little bit about Jesus and the gospel. I hope that was encouraging and helped some understand the meaning of Christmas, and that is the holy God who loves us and loves his broken sinners, and he takes on flesh as a baby and as a human, and comes with humility to teach, live by example, die the death that we deserve, and rise to be with the Father on the throne as he is today, until, as the Bible says, the last enemy is under his feet. It's a powerful testimony of God's revelations and prophecies that have been fulfilled, and many still have not been completed, and we'll see when they do, but we're excited, and it was fun to uh, and do that message. But tonight, we are going to tackle an exciting topic, which is how do I know I'm saved? A family member asked me that exact question not too long ago. How do we really know? I actually had the same desire to know and did my research and learned what the Bible has to say about this. Now, Carrie and I have carved hours into it ourselves recently. And so we're excited to go through this with you. And we hope this helps you 
have peace and confidence or it scared the, the living daylights out of you. It's going to do one or the other. Yeah. For sure. Yep. A little bit of my story uh, that I've been grappling with is I met Christ through the prayer that you all hear about as Christians, the the uh, sinner's prayer mm-hmm. that I did in my bed in 1997. Um, but as we go through what we're going to go through, and you're going to hear the evidence of the Bible and what saved looks like and what it's meant to be uh, and, and, and the purpose of behind it and what happens to us when we're saved. My story from 1997 to 2014 is that what we're going to talk about today and what you're going to hear about, what the Bible says, wasn't me. I did not have the fruit of the Spirit living out on me. I was in habitual sin. I was making choices uh, that were no different than they were in 1996 and 1997 when I said the Lord's sinner's prayer and nothing really changed. I kind of went to church. Um, it was kind of exciting. It was new, but there was no change. There was no repent, turn away from things. Uh, I wasn't a bad person. I was a good person, but my life didn't show Jesus. Um, and, I, and I'm okay with that today because in 2014, he did something completely incredible where he completely took me from the inside out. I'll never forget it. May of 2014 and said, you're coming on board. You're mine and you're going all in. And that's where the transformation happened. That's where I repented. That's where I gave up the habitual sin or the bad habits that I had. That's when I became the spiritual leader of my household, which I wasn't in our marriage. And you know this by checking out episode three. Three. unequally yoked where Carrie and I talked about this and I started reading my Bible. I was studying my Bible. There was complete change from death to life in that moment. So I say all this to set it up because although I said the prayer, although I wanted Jesus, I don't know if, I mean, I know, I think I'm very confident now. I didn't really accept him. I didn't really bring him in and have the Holy Spirit do what it's, it's supposed to do. So if you're one like me who have said the prayer, nothing's changed, nothing's turned, there's not a lot of fruit, and we'll talk about this, then you need to be concerned and you need to go to God and you need to get on your knees. But today, we're going to dig into how do we know and mm-hmm. what does the Bible have to say? And I am confident as I move forward in this from 2014 in May that I'm in him and he's in me. And I'm saved without, without a doubt. So hopefully this will help you as we dig through this. And we'll just start off by discussing the process of being saved, right? How do we become saved? And, and we start with a little simple review of the most popular verse of all of sports. Every end zone, you see the signs. <laughs> Tim Tebow had him uh, uh, stickers under his eyes of John 316 during his football game and got all this notoriety, right? We know that it's for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Key word is, he's come, and whoever believes in him shall not perish. And we know this verse came from the story of Nicodemus, a religious man, who we learn turns to Christ later. So he was one of the Pharisees. Jesus was doing all of this miracle, all this incredible thing, all these things. He knew 
he came from God, but he wanted to learn more about him. So he came to him in the night so no one would know. And he wanted to have an encounter with him and find out what's up. Mm-hmm. And he finds out from Jesus that to enter the kingdom of heaven, one must be born again. And it blew Nic- Nicodemus' mind. He's like, what do you mean born again? We've already been born. We have to be born again. No, 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 no. You have to be born again. A, a, a renewal of yourself, a regeneration of yourself in Christ, in me, in him. And, uh, and so Nicodemus is just blown away by this. And they have this conversation. Um, and Nicodemus, we learn after this encounter, we find out later in the Bible and scriptures that he actually follows Christ and leaves the, the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. So he's saved. He later says in verse 18, um, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Mm-hmm. So you have a choice between being condemned and not being condemned and the choice is through Christ. That's when we'll be saved through belief. So that's kind of the main theme as we run through some of those quick verses. But we also run into this word, and I'm sure you've heard it, repent. Carrie, what does repent mean? What does it truly mean? (laughs) This is a great question. We had a deep conversation about this. Um, There's lots of definitions of repent, to be honest with you. And you probably go, oh, it just means I'm sorry. I need to change your mind. You know, I need to, um, you know, make a change. And all that is good. But this is my favorite definition that we found. There's this um, um, dictionary, uh, Webster's 1828. It is literally from 1828. So you go back in time and see what the original meaning of repent is. So some fancy words, but it's going to paint a big picture for you guys. In theology, to sorrow or be pained for sin as a violation of God's holy law, a dishonor to his character and government, and the foulest ingratitude to a being of infinite benevolence. Hmm. Some big words. (laughs) But it's awful. There's nothing pretty about that definition, which is why I liked it. Because to repent, it really does mean that you have dishonored the Lord and his character and his government and his... Yeah, you could have denounced him at some point. Yeah. Told people there is no God. Oh, for um, sure. you know, people that come to him who have said those things, who are, are, uh, their mindset and their, their, the way they look at the world is just, and then all of a sudden they get Christ and, and this repent is to completely mourn from the fact that I thought this way, you know, the Jews at the end, right. It says in the scriptures and, and it's actually an old Testament, but it's also found in the new Testament and how, when, they are going to realize in the end mm-hmm. that Christ was murdered by them and by their hands, so to speak. And they're going to mourn. They use the words, they're going to mourn, they're going to wail, stuff like that, about how they've literally been a part of denying Christ and, and, and really murdering Christ. And now they're going to repent. So powerful. And that's, that's what it's kind of saying too there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So we learn this. Um, this comes about us in Matthew 
chapter 3, verse 8, when we're introduced to John the Baptist, who was to pave the way and pathway for our Lord, and it was also prophesied back in the Old Testament that he was coming in Isaiah. He was baptizing many for Jerusalem and in Judea, and the religious leaders, the religious Pharisees, came, and he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Because what we know about John the Baptist is he was talking about repenting because he brought the judgment to Jesus. It was the repent and follow Christ because judgment's coming. And as you say, he, as you see here, he says the wrath, meaning you better repent. As he said, the next verse, the next sentence, produce fruit in keeping repentance. So he gives them the instruction of what it's going to look like to be with Christ and following Christ. Um, pretty powerful words to the to the religious leaders from John. Yeah. Then he says, later, as you move on in that, when we were looking at Matthew 3, verse 8, as you go on on those verses, he says, he says, then the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. There's uh, no question what he's saying there. Yeah. Produce good fruit. Right. That's part of if you're saved or you're following Christ, you're going to produce fruit. And, uh, you know, he's, he's talking too towards what we find out later, what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's found in Matthew 7, 15 through 20. And you can also find it in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, 43 through 45. But Jesus says in the 18 teachings of the Sermon on the Mount, one of them is you know by good fruit. That's how you know people are following him. That's how you know they're good and they believe. Every good tree bears good fruit, but bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Same thing John the Baptist said. And John the Baptist said this in the beginning. This was later when Jesus taught. Thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. Who's he talking about? Believers. Yes. 100%. Yes. Okay? So yes. fruit. So being saved, you'll cl clearly bear fruit, good fruit in your life. And as I shared earlier in 1997, I was a good guy. I had some moral standards. I had Jesus, I thought. But I don't know if I was producing good fruit in my life. In fact, I know I wasn't in a lot of ways, in a lot of biblical ways. So what fruit are we talking about here? The Holy Spirit that comes into those who are saved and dwells is what we're talking about. The Holy Spirit, if you are saved, comes in and dwells. And how do we check that? Well, we look at Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, and it lists the fruits of the Spirit, which Paul says are... Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So if you're not demonstrating these characteristics, you may need to question where you're at in your faith and if you are truly saved. Because biblically, we're supposed to produce fruit, good fruit in our lives. And I think it's important because so often... You know, there are, um, it's so hard to take a stand these days 
on on what you actually believe. And so it's hard to say, um, it's hard to say, well, I think they're not a Christian because they're not joyful. But but the Bible is giving you permission to say there needs to be joy in that person's life. Yeah. Or say are not walking with the Lord. Like so you can't have a, a grumpy Christ follower. Someone who it doesn't is make sense. Grumpy all the time. Right? Yeah. You know, so that is a place you can take a hard stance on. Sure. It's like you do need to have these characteristics in your life. They won't all come at once. Nobody's saying that they will come. But you will start to see transformation in these areas. Sure. Um, and it's it's not a fifty year process. No. Sanctification is lifelong. Sanctification is becoming holy because God is holy. Uh, we know that through scripture, you know that through episodes we've done, we share that a lot. We talk about how, you know, when you become a believer and the, and the Holy Spirit is living in you and dwelling in you, it, he is sanctifying each one of us every single day. That's, that's how we feel the conscience of the wrong or uh, the self-control of one of the fruits of the Spirit. I, it's going to tell me if I don't, I'm not having self-control. I'm going to feel the Holy Spirit go, uh, no, you don't need five drinks. <laughs> You know, you don't, you don't need to uh, be over the top with your kid like that and, and mm-hmm. be loud and, and, you know, I mean, just that cool out. You feel that pull from the Holy Spirit and that's how you know, but it's based on these fruits. Okay. And uh, this is the test. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I would look at these and say, man, what am I struggling with? You know, what, what are some areas I'm struggling with? Uh, maybe I'm struggling with all of them. And again, you have to kind of. Do a test and see because fruit is clearly biblical on believers and -hmm. the fruits are these in your life. Mm -hmm. And as we move on, uh, more again about being saved, what's the process? We look at Acts 2 where Peter is giving this amazing talk and he's sharing the gospel about Jesus and and they come to him, thousands, it's 3,000 I think, who knows who all was there, but it says 3,000 were we're saved, but they come to him and say, brothers, what shall we do? We heard this amazing talk, right? They heard the gospel. That's the whole thing about how are people saved? They got to hear about Christ. They got to hear the gospel. And it's like the four soils and the seeds that go on the soils, right? We know the process. So they all heard Peter, which if you read Acts 2 and you read his, what he says, and he pulls Old Testament. I mean, just, it's amazing. And if you can memorize something like that, that's how you would share the gospel. It's incredible. Read it. If you haven't, but they're like, brothers, what should we do? And he says, repent. There it is. Repent. 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 Turn away. Be mournful of your sin and your behavior and your denial. Mm-hmm. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive a gift of the Holy Spirit. So there we go. Repent. repent. Believe. We see baptism. Um, and anyway, you're going to get the Holy Spirit, right? And then we go again a little bit later in Acts in 16. So we're going to talk about Acts chapter 16, verse 30. Mm -hmm. And we find a simple verse of this question, how to be saved. Super simple. Jailer. Story about a jailer. He's got Paul and Silas, maybe others. I can't remember, but they're in the jail. And they're praying. And what does the Holy Spirit do? It opens the, 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 the chains drop off their hands. The jails open up and wakes up the jailer and he looks around and he's like, oh my, mm-hmm. they're all gone. Mm-hmm. They escaped under my watch. He pulls a sword to kill himself and they go, no, 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 mm-hmm. don't do that. We're here. And he realizes right then and there, right? 
Jesus is real. The Holy Spirit just came in and rescued those guys. And so he comes to them and he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas both reply to him and say, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's all they say. That's the biblical recording. And we know later he takes them home to their family, feeds them, mm-hmm. cleans, uh, cleans up their wounds mm-hmm. from being beaten. And, and, and he end, end up, Christ comes and saves, the Holy Spirit comes and saves the whole family. Yeah, they get baptized, the whole house. The whole deal, mm-hmm. right? Incredible story. But as simple as Apostle Paul and Silas just saying, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Mm-hmm. But let's explore another popular verse, okay, about this, this process and about being saved, which we find in Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 10, uh, verses, uh, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that you, God raised, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That God raised him from the dead. You believe in Jesus, that he was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with the heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Interesting. This is where we get the sinner's prayer from as well, right? This is the, Mm -hmm. the main verse that drives that you confess with your mouth and you'll be saved, right? And and you don't don't forget the heart is really I think I profess with my mouth in ninety seven I just don't know if my heart was ready for it, yeah, I think that's absolutely right, right. and and so it's got to be both, and it's very clear here um and then we and, and then we learn um you know Paul goes on to reference in Romans ten, right we were on ten chapter ten he goes on later in those verses and he says in the Old Testament he brings Joel out Joel chapter two verse thirty two he says that Joel says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved yeah everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved yeah it's so good and I the, the word justified either it's one that you're super familiar with you guys or maybe it's not um, something that you've heard before um, some churches use this word really well, and some just take it from the vocabulary. So you may know um, the word um, righteousness. So interchangeable. Justified, though, is 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 the biblical term. Um, some Bibles use righteousness. So just wanted to, just in case you weren't sure, because I wasn't for a very long time. Gotcha. Justified means, at that point, let's be very clear, we are not guilty. No. Before God anymore. Right. And Watched. as we know, and we talked about this earlier, and if you listen to the Christmas story or the uh, or the meaning of Christmas I shared, but just to be clear, we as humans, men and women, before God, we are dirty rags, as it says Filthy. in Isaiah. Filthy rags. Even our righteousness. Even our righteousness. When we think we're doing the greatest things in the world... For whoever and whatever. Good deeds. Good deeds, all that, to God who is so holy that we are considered filthy rags. So we become justified, which is not guilty of the filthiness. Correct. When we come to Christ, repent, turn, and follow him in the utmost way that we know now, before God, we're purified. We're no more 
lost, dirty, we're justified. Eternal life, our prayers are heard. He intercedes all of that. So it's super powerful to understand justify means it's over, it's finished through the Christ's mm-hmm. blood that you are now his child and you are now going to have eternal life with him and live with him and be in all the promises that you hear in the Bible are open to you now. Not guarantee you're going to get all the stuff you want to hear and you think, but we know that the Bible then comes alive for those who are, or are justified, truly justified. So good. I love that word. Yeah, it's a good word. Our final piece of this, as we kind of work through this, is, is one of my favorite books, um, is, is definitely 1 John. Uh, and we're going to look at that. Uh, I think it's a, perfect, it's a perfect book for walking. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. It's short. It's five chapters, I believe. Uh, walk it through yourself. Really, if you have teenagers, I just did this with my, uh, uh, my 16-year-old, 14-year-old. Walked them through all five chapters. They loved it. Super powerful. Um, but we heard from, uh, you know, obviously we went through many verses uh, from Jesus, the Gospels, Acts, uh, from Paul through the epistles. Now, here's the final final. We're in, we're in John. John, by the way, the book of John and the Gospels, same author, uh, really tight with Jesus. Was, was Jesus is one of his best friends. Um, intimately was with him through the whole journey of his three-year um, ministry. So very intimate with Jesus, and this guy has a lot to say, and he's very factual on this process of how we really know if we're saved at the end of the day. And you'll find it in here. We're going to talk a little bit about it. Chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Okay, we heard about believe in Christ. We repent earlier. We talked about that, baptize, right, all this stuff. And uh, and now we're hearing this thing about obey his commands. Yeah. Well, here we go, right? We're going a little bit deeper than what it means to be saved and truly know that Jesus is with us and we're with him. The man that says, I know him but does not obey his commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, the, any, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. He says, Verbatim, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Must. Yeah. That's a a pretty powerful word. And to walk as Jesus did, we know he was sinless. We know he was perfect. And so to do that is a very challenge. And we know we're not going to do it because he later tells us as we move forward, it's just incredible. We're to walk as Jesus did. But listen to how he walks us through this. In verse 15... He says, he talks about not loving the world, right? He goes into this and he just kind of walks you through this. You cannot serve the Lord and still serve the world. So this is very clear. This is, Paul comes to me, do not conform to the patterns of the world, right? Everything you've heard, John's saying, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It's plain and simple. You can't love the world and love him. No, you can't. So if you're loving the world right now and you said the prayer, sinner's prayer, and you're all into the world, uh, first John or John say first John John mm-hmm. is saying no anyone who loves the world the love of the father is not in him there's a clear separation of believers true believers and then chapter three first John chapter three John talks about sin now remember he said earlier up in uh chapter two verse three he said whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did but listen to what he says here. He says, 
talks about sin and he'll talk about love as signs we know we're in him. But in verse 6, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or know him. Whoa. So, pretty clear instruction. If you're in habitual sin right now, you've been saved, you've said the prayer in your bed or wherever on your car driving to work, listen to Caleb, and you are still sinning repeatedly, he says, no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. That's the repent. You would move away from that. That's where in 97, I'm going, I don't think so. But man, in 2014, yeah, I moved. I changed. And there's a clear-cut difference. And there's a conviction. Absolutely. There's a result. Yep. So you have to have both. And like you said, it is the mind and it is the heart. And because your heart is in that posture of repentance, that's when that fruit is going to happen. So that sin is not attractive anymore. Right. You don't need it. It's not a vice on you. Sure. Now, there may be some physical things you may have to go through. We get that. You may need some help to remove some of these vices, these sins that are inside your life. But the repentance. But then we're denying the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's work is sanctification. That's true. Right? Good point. Mm-hmm. And so he's just clarifying, like, no one keeps on sinning who knows him. Right. Like, if, you, if that's you, you don't, you don't know him. And you're going, wait a minute, man. I said the prayer. I, I said the prayer. I go to church on Sunday. Well, that's, there's a difference. Correct. And this is clear. Because if the Holy Spirit is in you, yep. it's sanctifying you and it's convicting you, as you said. And those habitual sins aren't going to continue. Because you will turn from it because of your low level to Christ, you obeying Christ and obeying the Holy Spirit's convictions, it's a natural act. That's why he's saying you can't, there's, there's no in between. No, you, can't. you can't keep on sinning and know Christ. doesn't, doesn't work. No. It's incredible. And then he later says, so we're still in chapter three, first John three. He later says, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's, listen to this. This is why this, we just proved ourselves right to the verse. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, and let's be clear about born of God, right? Born again as Nicodemus. You could be 30, 40, 50. You find Christ. You take Christ. You repent. You follow him. You're born again. Anyone who's born of God will continue. Will, no one who's born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. That's good. That's it. Yep. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who doesn't love his brother. Pretty cut and dry. Yep. Incredible, right? Now, it's not saying we won't sin... As we said earlier, we're going to sin. We are going to make mistakes because earlier John it says, if anyone says he does not sin, he is a liar. So he is talking about the repenting we mentioned. You cannot know Jesus or be saved if you continue habitual sin. We talked about that. There must be a change moving from self, from death of self to new life. It is not say the prayer uh, we shared uh, in church and, and, and the church sometimes badly emulates Paul's version of Romans 10, 9 through 10. And we continue in our own ways. It just doesn't work that way. 
There must be a change. If you have said the prayer but haven't seen the change, you're not walking in the light. And this is very clear. And finally in 1 John, about loving one another, which is from Jesus' second greatest commandment, which is love thy neighbor as yourself. He says in verse 14, anyone who does not love remains in death. He goes on to verse 16 and he says, this is how we know what love is is Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is intense, everybody. Listen to this. What is he saying here? Real love is actions, not the words or feelings. Words and feelings don't matter. It's action. That's right. The greatest act of love we can give is serving and giving giving oneself for others, not wanting a single thing back in return. We give up ourselves. We love our brothers. Despite differences, despite it all, we're willing to give up for our brother, just like Jesus did. And he lays down this this foundation. And we know in James, he confirms this in chapter 2, James 2, verses 14 through 17, where he talks about true faith without action is no faith at all. So if you have faith and you believe in Christ, your action, the fruit... Right? Loving thy brother. If you don't love your brother, then James 2, verses 14 and 17 are out the window. Same with 1 John chapter 3, 14 through 16. In verse 18, John tells us not to love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. And John finishes the chapter by affirming to us in verse 23 and 24, and this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, believe Mm -hmm. Jesus Christ and to love one another as he commanded us. Second greatest commandment. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So as we conclude, it is important to go back to the words of Jesus and his promise. Those who are his chosen, whose ears could hear his words and whose hearts receive him will never go astray, will never fall away. And we can get into a deeper theological discussion (laughs) about falling away from salvation, but not tonight. But here's what we will say, that if you're producing fruit, you believe, you're obeying his commands, you're following him. He is in you and you are in him. Go back to the John gospel, not first John, but go earlier with John where (laughs) we just walked through, but in the gospel, John chapter 10, this is powerful, chapter 10, 27 through 29 verse, my sheep, this is Jesus, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Listen to this. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So I just have this word picture of us with two hands, the Father and the Son, with a fist embracing us in their hands together, saying, if you believe and you're following me, I will never let you go. There is no going back. There is no turning. You're mine and I've got you forever. And that verse is our validation. That is our justification. There you go.
uh, amazing promise. And uh, that should give you so much peace and confidence. Uh, just that verse, so powerful. Assuming you have all that has been shared tonight happening, you should feel really good about that. Um, so, okay, let's conclude. Let's finish. Let's recap. How do we know we are saved? We talked many verses, right? Different things. But we mm -hmm. talked about little six little things. Mm -hmm. How do we know we're saved, Carrie? What are the six? All right, here we go. We must believe in Jesus Christ. Must believe. Number two, must repent from our sins. Repent. Number three, must produce fruit in our lives. Galatians says fruit of the Spirit. Yep. Number four, obey his commands. And with a focus on the two greatest commands. Yeah, and, and, it, and this is, I mean, we, you got to be in the Bible, right? You got to know, you got, like we're doing now, you got to know what it says, you got to know what he's commanding. So you can obey them. So you got to read the scriptures. Number five, do not love the world. Yeah, we're aliens of the world, as Peter says. Uh, Paul says, renewing your mind, don't conform to the patterns of the world. Over and over and over, we heard First John. John was saying, can't love the world and love the Father. So True. Finally is number six, love our brothers. Love our brothers. Through our actions. Love your neighbors. Don't tell someone you love somebody, right? It's the action. Mm -hmm. It's our faith in action. So there's six ways to just cross-check where you're at. If you're unsure, you're asking yourself that question, am I saved? Mm -hmm. We're not here to judge you or ever judge anyone's salvation. Um, it's just going to be based on Scripture and what we just shared. And that evidence will come through in those who claim Christ and claim to be believers and Christians. And either they're producing this fruit, they're producing these things in their lives, or they're not. And uh, those will be the hard evidence. But I will leave you with one, one most terrifying verse in the Bible found at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. And Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, the day of judgment, the day where we're all done, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And then I will say to them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's one thing to say you know him. It's one thing to obey his commands. Believe. Repent. I'm just heartbroken. It just this is a scary verse and the fact that it's just heartbreaking to know that so many so called Christians who think they um are saying some prayer in the car or say, I mean that's a good start or in their bed or at church or they raise their hand at the end of the service or who know God and they believe in God. James says even demons believe in God. The demons believe in God. You can say you know God all you want. The demons, James says, knew God. But they shudder. They're scared. Yeah. It's one thing to know him, one thing to claim it. It's one thing to really truly believe. And But if nothing changes, you go to church, serve, but are still enjoying your habitual sins, and aren't reading God's word, aren't obeying his commands, those are what Jesus is referring to in chapter 7. It's people that just are claiming it but haven't lived it and aren't changed.
And so we just Christians observe. by name only. Yeah. And he's saying he's not interested in that. He no. it does not want the half in, half out. Well, we know in Revelations the lukewarm, right? The church that was he said vomit you out. Vomit you out. And it's like it's like lukewarm water in the mouth. Nobody likes that, right? It doesn't taste good. Well, Jesus is claiming Christians that are lukewarm. I want to vomit you out of your mouth. Like I'd rather you not believe in me, don't claim me, than to say that you know me and you act different and you're lukewarm. He doesn't want it. You're either in or you're out. Jesus is very clear about this. Listen to Cost of Christianity, episode one, to get more of that. Love it. But that's our Jesus, just so we're clear on how he stands. Only our sovereign God saves. We cannot. Nope. Others cannot. Nope. Don't think you can. Don't think you have all this power. You can't. It's God. It is the work of God himself who draws who he chooses to Jesus. So I hope this helps and provides clarity of what the Bible teaches on being saved or receiving salvation in your life through Christ. Um, I just say, share the podcast out, please, with anyone out there, your friends and family, or those who may benefit from this content. Um, a light bulb might come off of someone you know. Share the podcast. Share the episode with them. Let them hear it. Um, again, also, please rate us. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't be afraid to reach out to us. We love it when we get to have conversations. So we've got three places you can reach us. Um, we've got three different handles. Um, we've got Next Level Equip. Uh, you can reach us there. Yeah, so uh, Facebook, Instagram, at Next Level Equip. Correct. You can email us at nextlevelequip at gmail.com. I know that's, that's right. a lot. That's right. Um, or you can message and comment through iTunes, through the through the um, podcast itself. Correct. Um, so, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Disagree, agree. Um, maybe this totally changed your life. We'd love to hear it, whatever. But this is... From God's Word, this is the scriptures. We gave you a lot of content. So that, that way you kind of hear the whole process of how we become saved and what is being said and what the bottom line is. And I think we just end by it's a life change. Yeah. It's a complete life change. Yeah, You can't stay the same of where you were claiming that you're a Christian, you're a believer in Christ, and think you're saved. This right here would tell you different. Correct. So encourage you to get in the Bible. Read these verses. Read First John, please, great, four or five chapters, I think five chapters. Take a look at what he has to say. But we appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining us, and have a great week. We'll see you next time.